Father, we just thank you today. We thank you for blessing us with the opportunity to be here tonight to celebrate the coming of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and his birthday. What an honor, what a privilege. Father, I thank you for such an honor for for all of these families to be gathered here tonight to sacrifice some time that they may have together to spend uh, with each other just to honor you. And so, Lord, I count that as a blessing that, that we would take our time out and give you the honor that you're due tonight. And we, we thank you for being in our presence tonight. We know your word says where two or more are gathered together in the name of Jesus, that there you are in the midst. So we thank you for that. So, Lord, as we pray tonight and and we get ready to receive what you have for us out of your word, Lord, we lift up Shala's aunt to you who's in the hospital tonight. And, Lord, we, we just thank you that you are Jesus, you are the healer. And so we speak that healing power over her right now. Thank you, Lord, that she's... She is believing with all the faith that she has, and we just thank you, Lord. We, we lock in an agreement we've prayed for her before, and we stand in agreement with those prayers that have been prayed. Thank you, Jesus, for that life rising up in her. We thank you for a healing power at work in her body. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Lord, for your word, we thank you for the anointing of the Holy Spirit that's on the word of God tonight. And so, Father, I just thank you that that word is going to accomplish what you've sent it to accomplish. We receive, by faith, what you have for us tonight in the name of Jesus. If you believe that, say amen. 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 And so be it. Well, I want to share with you tonight out of the book of Matthew. If you have a Bible with you, you can turn to it. If not, it may be on the screen behind me. Um, But we want to share tonight... A part of the Christmas story, uh, for those of you who were here on Sunday, you heard what, what is my favorite version of the Christmas story, which is in the Gospel of John. But we're going to hear from, from Matthew tonight, and we're going to focus in on the wise men. Everybody heard of the wise men when you were growing up? Maybe you, you might have um, been in a Christmas play when you were a kid, <laughs> and they had wise men in the play like we had up here tonight. We had wise ladies up here tonight. Um, so I'm glad we didn't have wise guys. Um, there's enough of those around, right? But um, you, you may have grown up knowing the story of the wise men, but I'm going to ask you just to turn off your tradition for a little bit tonight. And let's, let's think about the wise men in a little deeper fashion. And let's think about today and relating them to us today. And thinking about the fact that wise men still seek him. So the question is, are you one of those? So we'll come back to that. But I want, I want to look at the first couple of verses here in Matthew chapter 2. And that's where we're going to spend our time this evening is in this section of chapter 2 talking about the wise men. And it says in, in verse 1, Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, Magi or wise men, from the east arrived in Jerusalem, saying, now listen to what they said, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star in the east, and have come to worship him. So, 
the question I'm going to keep asking tonight for you to consider as we read these verses and we talk about this story is who are these wise men? And who are wise men today? Well, I want to read to you a little bit of history about uh, what it's believed about these three um, magi or wise men. Smith's Bible Dictionary talks about them and tells a little bit about the history here. It says, They were credited all over the East with certain secret learnings which in remote antiquity distinguished Egypt and Chaldea. Among the Jews, they were considered a sort of sacred scribes, skilled in divining and interpreting the hidden meaning of certain passages of the scriptures. The books of Exodus and Daniel in the Old Testament show their eminent position and influence and pretense of occult knowledge. But some among them were probably free from such superstitions, men of sound minds, finding in their books sounder views of divine government of the world than the great body of their associates were capable of understanding. The exiled Jews carried to such as these the welcome knowledge of the true Jehovah. Of this class were the three who, as wise men from the east, came to see him who was born king of the Jews. The gospel narrative is simple and direct. They were guided by a star in which they saw the sign of the expected Messiah, which was then called the hope of all nations. As Magianism was then chief religion of the kingdom of Parthia, it is supposed they came from that country, or maybe from eastern Chaldea. Their dress and appearance commanded respect at Jerusalem, and their gifts also indicated persons of no ordinary rank. The Greek church, says the Magi, arrived with a grand escort of a thousand, who were part of an army of seven thousand, who rested on the east bank of the Euphrates. They were said to have come on the expedition in obedience to a prophecy of Zoroaster, who said that in the latter days there should be a mighty one, a redeemer, and that a star should announce his coming. So these, these were, were men that were known to be very learned, very astute of all the, what were the natural sciences of the day, and of um, astronomy, the study of the stars, and so forth. And, and as this was telling us, the whole area of the East had prophecy about there, there would be a coming Messiah uh, coming up out of the Jews. And so this particular prophecy here that was quoted that was said that it would be announced by a star. So it's likely that these men knew about this maybe all their lives or in their training. And when this star appeared, they had no doubt what it was. And they began to follow. Some say it may have taken them up to two years to make the journey that they made with their caravan that they had. I don't know. It might not have taken that long. But, but it was a purposeful trip either way. They had, to, they had to plan it. They had to go. And they had to know where they were going. So who were these wise men? Well, we just learned a little bit about it. They, they were people who looked for signs from God and followed them. Or we could say they followed his leading. They followed his leading in their life. If it really did take two years, that was quite a sacrifice to give two years of your life to go on a journey just to, to follow something that was prophesied, to see some special king 
that was to be born and, and to honor him. But it talks about that they were, that they were uh, led there by a star. It says that for, they said, For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. And so, you know, I know you're familiar with that and you've probably heard it growing up and heard about the wise men, they followed the star. But we would, you kind of think today, maybe in our culture, that that would be a little unusual to, to follow a star and for stars to be giving messages and so forth. You know, we know people that study things like that. But, but as, as Christian believers, not too many people think too much about stars and, and the sun and the moon and such things. But it's really not that unusual. Because in Psalm 19... In the first verse there, it says, The heavens are telling of the glory of God, and their expanse is declaring the work of His hands. So, if this was true back in David's day when he wrote the Psalms, that the heavens actually tell about God. If you pay attention, and oftentimes here in church we talk about, you know, how can you not believe there's, there's a God who's a creator? Just go look out that door out there when it's daylight. Well, you can go out and look tonight. It's pretty cloudy. You might see a few stars. I don't know. But, but when it is clear or, or in the daytime and you see all that's out there, just look up in the sky. Look at the trees. You know, we're blessed to have trees across the street here so we can see them out the door out there on Sunday morning. And, but, but if you go out at night and see the stars, you see the heavens, you see the moon, you see the sun coming up every morning. And, and you see all these things around you. This couldn't happen. I mean, it takes a lot more faith than I could ever have to believe all this happened with a bang or by some accident or, or as we say, some slime climbing up off the beach. The heavens declare that God is God, that He is the Creator. All you have to do is pay attention and look at it and really study it. And these were men who really studied it. <laughs> they, they knew a lot about things that were... were, were aligning with the stars, things that were prophesied. And again, we read in this history here that likely a lot of this influence for prophecy came to them when the Jews were exiled into that area of the east and brought a lot of the, the word of God to these men who studied these type of things. So, I just wanted to get the point across to you in Psalm 19 that God has always been showing himself true in his creation. And you know what? That hasn't changed today. For any of us that will pay attention to the creation around us, from some of the littlest bugs in the woods to some of the things that are swimming around in, in the creeks and, and the rivers around, to some of the other things you see growing, flowers, gardens, <laughs> fruit on trees, they could just come out and grow and provide food. And then the signs in the heavens, the stars, the designs, the shapes they make, and all these things, if you're really paying attention, and if you really want to get deep about it, look in the mirror. Ooh. <laughs> and think about yourself. Think about how you were designed, how you were made, your body was made to heal itself. Skin was made to recover when it's scratched or, 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 or the skin is broken. God is speaking through all these things and wise men are paying attention to it. 
But let's look on at how the story continues. Then in verse 3 it says, When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And so this is an important fact about anybody who will undertake in their life to follow after and seek after God and follow where He's leading them, is that most of the people in charge, or at least we'll say the people of of this world or the worldly culture we live in, they're going to be troubled when you tell them, well, God led me to go do this. God talks to you? You're weird, you know, and, and they're going to they're gonna think you're, you, that you're something weird, or they're, they're going to be troubled about when you tell them, I'm trying to follow the leading of, of God in my life, or God has a purpose in my life, and so that's why I'm going to school, and I'm going to study this or study that, or, or I'm going to find a job in this field or that field, because this is where God's leading me, and God's got a purpose for my life. People get troubled by that. People who... who who really don't have a relationship with God, will get troubled by that. The world gets troubled by that. But don't let that deter you. Because these were men that they had something not just in their head. And as we read on in just a few more verses, you're going to see this, but stick with me. Trust me here. They had something in their heart that they were following. It took a lot of effort. It took a lot of knowledge. But when we see what they did when they arrived, it was more than just head knowledge. And so, today, if we're going to seek, if we're going to be wise men and seek after Him, we have to seek after Him with our heart, with the, with the Spirit inside us. See, there's, there's, more, there's more to us than just, we're not just a one-dimensional person. We were created in the image of God. If you go back to Genesis chapter 1, you see where God said, let us create man and let's create him in our image. That means we were created in the same class of being, the same design that God has. God has a spirit. He had a physical body here on the earth. And he is a great mind. And so we're a three-part being. We are a spirit. We have a soul, our mind, will, and emotions. And we have a physical body. And it takes all three. But the real you is the spirit man on the inside. The man, we might say the man of the heart. And so, I believe these wise men understood that. They understood they were more than a one-dimensional person. And even though people who, who operated like they ran into with Herod and the people in Jerusalem that just operated in their mind or, or what, what their cravings were, we call it the flesh, which is your, your mind and your physical body. They'll, have you ever craved something? Anybody craving chocolate cake for tomorrow? <laughs> or monkey bread in the morning? Or, or, or egg um, and sausage casserole? Or, I'm probably naming things that I'm going to eat. <laughs> but, you know, your body will crave those things. <laughs> Sometimes your mind will crave things. And, and so the flesh is always seeking after things like that. Whatever makes you feel good, what tastes good, what looks good, you know. Sometimes that's okay. Sometimes it'll get you in trouble. But, but the wise, these wise men, and anybody who wants to be a wise man, is, is not controlled by those things, but is led by the inner man of the heart, the real being, the spirit man. See, Herod didn't understand that. Herod was just thinking, he was thinking in the natural, okay, they've come to see a king, a new king. I'm the king. What's going on here? Even if he knew 
the scriptures which he said he believed. We don't know if he believed them in his heart or not, because he was pretty. He was a pretty terrible guy, if you read about him in history. But even if he believed that, he wasn't excited that maybe the scriptures were coming to pass. He was more concerned about I'm the king. <laughs> Who's this new king? And so, what do you mean you've come to see who the new king of the Jews is? <laughs> I'm the king of the Jews. Just imagine what he was thinking. And so, the world's usually that way. Usually when God's doing something or announcing something or showing something that he's doing, not too many people that don't know God are too excited about it. And so that was what was going on here in Jerusalem with, with Herod and the people. And so... Uh, Let's read on and see what happened after this. So in verse 4, it says, Gathering together all the chief priests and the scribes of the people, he inquired of them, that's Herod, where the Messiah was to be born. And they said to him, and they're quoting out of, out of the Old Testament, In Bethlehem of Judea, for this is what has been written by the prophet. And you, Bethlehem, land of Judah, are by no means least among the leaders of Judah. For out of you shall come forth a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. So, God will not lead you anywhere or to do anything that does not line up with what is already in His Word. And you see right here, these wise men were being led. Yes, they knew some prophecy. Yes, they knew some things about stars would show when the Messiah was coming or a star would show. But when they got to Jerusalem... They didn't know where specifically to go, so they went to the capital to where the king was. If it's going to be a new king, likely place. But they weren't sure. But when they pulled out the, the scriptures, and the scripture said exactly where? In Bethlehem, down in Judea. And so, then they knew exactly where to go. Well, you know, you can trust God's word to lead you all the time. And it's always accurate. It's always reliable. You know the rest of the story. Was that right? Was Bethlehem the right place? It was, wasn't it? And so, the Holy Spirit will give you signs and will lead you, um, lead you to God's Word or lead you in agreement with God's Word, but it will always line up with God's Word. If you think you're being led to do something that's contradictory to what God's Word teaches then I would suggest you pause and pray a little harder and just make sure you're hearing from God. Because when God is sending you somewhere on a journey, when God is having you to seek after what He's purposed in His heart for you to do, it will always line up with His Word. Such a great part of this story in those couple of verses. But let's read on in verse uh, 7. But just remember what that said. You can always gauge what you believe you're supposed to do by what God's Word tells you. Verse 7, Then Herod secretly called the Magi and determined from them the exact time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. And when you found him, report back to me so that I too may come and worship him. So do you think old King Herod was being... Totally honest here. Did he have good motives? Well, think about it. Usually, 
the world, worldly leadership, or even us, our, our flesh. We talked about the flesh craves things. Usually it's always looking for an angle, some sort of an advantage. How can I, how can I take care of me? How can I get an advantage? How can I get an angle on this thing? And so some, some way to get what we want selfishly. Herod here we know, if you read the rest of the chapter, and we may not get to it tonight, he had some selfish motives in telling them, go and search, search out, and when you find him, come back and tell me, and I'll go and worship him too. He really had no intention of worshiping him. He had every intention to go and kill him because he was the king. And again, if, you, if you've studied any history about Herod, he killed his own sons so that he could be king longer. <laughs> so he, he would have had no, he had no, no qualms about making plans to go kill whoever this new king, this, even if it was the Messiah, it didn't matter to him. Again, he didn't have, he didn't have a, a desire for God in his heart, did he? He just wanted to, to remain king. But it's a lesson for us too because shortcuts to following Jesus and where he wants us to go never pay off. Trying to get an angle, trying to get an advantage not wanting to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit, not taking time or effort to know for ourselves what God's Word says. You know, it's a pretty sad commentary that here Herod was, was supposedly king of the Jews and he didn't even know the Scripture about where the Messiah was to be born and when. Pretty sad that somebody had to come from a foreign country <laughs> and prompt him to look in his own Scriptures and find out what was, what was prophesied. And so... A good point for us is the more we know God's Word, the more we know how to follow Him. And when we're trying to follow Him and we know His Word, we know we're lining up with it. So who are these wise men? Let's look at verse, what verse 9 says. It says, After hearing the king, they went their way. And the star which they had seen in the east <clears throat> went on before them until it came and stood over the place where the child was. So who are these wise men? They're men who follow God's leading. Regardless of what the world, the flesh, or the leadership is trying to do or wants them to do. We could say they have determination, right? They're determined to follow it, no matter what. And verse 10 says, When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. So again, who or what kind of men are these wise men? They're men who are excited about God's leading, about His purpose for their lives. They're men that have great joy in seeking Jesus. Do we have great joy in seeking Jesus? That's a question to ask ourselves. Look at the first part of verse 11. After coming into the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother, and they fell to the ground and worshipped him. So who are these wise men? Well, they're men that are wise enough to receive Jesus when he's ultimately revealed to them. And they're wise enough to worship Him as Lord when they received Him. Look at the second part of that verse. It says, Then, opening their treasures, they presented to Him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. So again, who are these wise men? Well, they're men who give their treasures in life to Jesus. They treasure Jesus in their heart more than any earthly treasures that they had. They're men that honor Him with their substance and with what they treasure. They're men who are givers. 
You know, some people say there's two kinds of people in this world. There's givers and there's takers. <laughs> Which kind are you? Don't raise your hand. <laughs> that was a question that's for a silent answer. You have to determine that. But these men were givers. They're not ashamed to be men of great means. In fact, they were quite rich. We just read about that in, in the history we read about them. Um, and they're not ashamed because they want to be able to give and fund the kingdom of God, the purposes of God, and bless others. See, if you, if you also read a little further in this story, which we won't go over the, those other verses, but, but there, was, there was a practical purpose in these gifts being given to Mary and Joseph to take care of Jesus. After they left, God spoke to, to Joseph and said, take the baby and, the, and his mother and go down into Egypt. Well, I don't know if you know about where they were from. They were from the opposite direction. They were from Nazareth. And, and he was a carpenter. He had a carpentry business there. What was he going to do in Egypt? How were they going to live? How was he going to pay for the journey? How were they going to live down there when they ended up living there a few years to escape Herod? Because Herod ended up sending troops down and killed all the, the babies trying to kill this new king. Well, the gifts that these wise men brought funded the trip, funded their time out of the country, funded their journey down there while they were there and back till they eventually came back to Nazareth. See, there's a practical purpose. When we're led by the Holy Spirit, when we give, our, give, when we're givers and we give out of our treasure into the kingdom of God, and that doesn't just mean plunking in the plate at church when it goes by. And if Brother Glenn's back there. He's always talking about, don't be a plate plunker. <laughs> give out of your heart. Give as, as you feel led to give, but give because you love God. Otherwise, don't give. But, but these gifts that they gave willingly, which we'll read in the next verse about what happened, but, but they gave these out of their heart and, and it, was, it was practically used <laughs> to take care of this family for a couple of years. We, we've probably read this story. We've probably talked about it if you grew up in church or Sunday school or saw Christmas plays. Kids doing plays, and you think it's just neat. We, you know, we saw the little the packages the, the the girls brought up earlier. That well, it was neat that it was these you know gold frankincense and myrrh. But there was a reason. These things helped fund the kingdom of God, and so these um, these gifts also had some special meaning. That they weren't haphazardly chosen, and so all of this was part of God's plan. But I want to read you a little bit about some of these gifts. I mean, about all three of these gifts. And um, this was some things that, that Oral Roberts shared in his personal commentary about these three gifts. It says, First, the wise men gave him gold. Now, gold was given to kings to recognize their authority. By giving gold to Jesus, the wise men affirmed that he is the king of kings. The second gift, frankincense, was used only in worship to God. See the last part of the word incense that they burned in the, in the tabernacle? The wise men presented it to Jesus and fell down and worshipped him. Their actions and gifts proclaimed that Jesus is the Son of God. The third gift, myrrh, was a spice used to embalm and prepare a body for burial. 
yet the wise men gave it to a newborn child. This gift foreshadowed Christ's death on the cross. The myrrh verified that Jesus is the sacrificial lamb of God. And so it wasn't just by happenstance that they chose these three gifts. They were very valuable things. Like I said, they were, they were sold and paid for, for, a, for a couple of years of living and journey. But, but there was everything that God does, He does it. He is just divinely planned and for a purpose. Again, look at the stars. There's no accidents. And so these three gifts all had purpose to them. They all had meaning. And so these were purposeful givers, these wise men. They gave on purpose. And then we look in verse 12, and it says, And having been warned by God in a dream not to return to Herod, the Magi left for their own country by another way. So who are these men? They're men who follow Jesus. They follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. No matter what the world says or what other people say. See, Herod said, come back to me. But they didn't do it, did they? Wise men are, are men that are willing to go another way. People will tell you, the culture will tell you, this is the way you ought to do it. You ought to do this, do that. Oh, do this, it just feels good. Everybody's doing it. But wise men are men who are willing to go another way if God's leading them another way. So the, the, the question tonight that I want to leave you with, actually two questions. One is, are you a wise man or a wise woman? We've, we've read some things and seen some things in this story about the Magi, the wise men, that tell us a lot about what it means to be wise and, what it, and, and the importance and the value of seeking Jesus. And so the question, the statement is that wise men still seek Him. The question is, are you a wise man? Are you a wise woman? The second question is, are you, if, if that is true, and you truly want to seek Him, you want, you want to follow Him in your heart. See, the Bible says that, that the way that we, that we come into a relationship with Him in Romans 10, 9, and 10 is that you believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord. In other words, that He is who He said He was. That He came, He was God, He came, he, he lived, He was crucified, He rose again on the third day, He went back to heaven. So, do you, do you believe in your heart? But then it says, the second part of that, there's two parts, to becoming a believer, to becoming a, an adopted child of God. The second part is, it says, and confess Him as Lord out of your mouth. And so, it's one thing that, to want to be a wise person and want to be wise enough to honor and to know Jesus and to know the value of following Him, to know He's worth giving your treasure, to know He's worth your worship, to know He's worth giving a couple of years or many months of your life to go seeking after Him or where He's telling you to go or what purpose He's calling you to in life. The willingness is one thing, but the other thing is, are you willing to go another way? If you're on a path that's not leading that way, where, where you know God is calling you or where you, you feel like He's got a purpose for your life but you're not really living it, you're not pursuing it, but you want to, 
You know this is true, what you've heard tonight. But the question is, are you willing to go another way and go the way He's calling you to go? And people will try to convince you like Herod, you know, that's troubling. Don't do that. It won't feel good. You might have to sacrifice something. But look at how the wise men reacted when they actually found Him and found the end result of their journey. What did they do? They rejoiced with exceeding great joy. They had joy in their heart. They recognized Him. They fell down and worshipped Him out of their heart. They poured their heart out in front of this little baby in a cow trough. Man, is that weird. But this is what was in their heart because they had finally found Jesus. They had found the Messiah. So the question is, are you a wise man? Do you want to be a wise man? If you do, are you willing to take that step? Are you willing to confess Him out of your mouth? Are you willing to go another way? Join with me in prayer. Father, I thank You for this great room of folks that are gathered here again. 